The first episode of The Crown's final season opens with an ominous glimpse at the dark moment that has been hanging over the series since the very first episode. When it was confirmed that the series would indeed continue covering events through the end of the last millennium and into this one, people began to wonder how the team were going to cover an event as traumatic as the death of Princess Diana. In the first four episodes of season six, the show paints a touching, insightful picture of the weeks leading up to the crash covering not only the drama, but the human elements that made Diana so beloved in the first place. When Diana talks, the world listens. So let's analyze these four episodes and figure out what this fictionalized retelling has to say about Diana, Charles, the Queen, and the rest of the royal family, Diana's relationship with Dodi Faid, and the impact Diana and her passing had on the royal family and the world at large. The Crown has always been rather nuanced with its take on all of the royal family, including Princess Diana. While given her immense popularity and beloved memory, it would have been easy to just showcase her as an angel on Earth. The show has always instead chosen to present her as a real human being, problems and all. You know, I think that's been the story of my whole life. Dashing around and losing sight of myself in the process. In these four episodes, Diana is in some ways more free than we've seen her before. Whether she's singing along to tub thumping in the car with Prince William or playing a prank, her light, playful side has clearly not been crushed by the drama surrounding the divorce. These episodes allow us a heartwarming view of Diana as a mom, working to create private moments of fun and normalcy for her boys, even in the midst of chaos. Do you want to kill him first or shall I? Sure, I'll kill him first. Okay, go. <laughs> but many of the issues plaguing her in previous seasons still remain even a year after leaving the royal family. This is both the result of outside pressures, the world wanting to know what Diana's next move is, the royal family still feeling like they should have some control over her because of her status as mother of the future king, but also because of Diana's own inner issues that she's still working through. The risk is, one normalizes the abnormal and becomes accustomed to living in the madness. And that's when things really go wrong. I know. The show explores the ways in which Diana's need for attention causes her to amplify the problem she's already facing. She is understandably exhausted by the constant media scrutiny around her life and choices, but she also clearly does, up to a point, seem to have an underlying drive to seek out that same attention, even though she knows it's bad for her. But Diana is clearly aware of this issue and has begun trying to work on it. But these kinds of deep-seated compulsions can be very difficult to overcome. Is this really taking care of yourself in the, in the way we've been discussing? We've been working on weaning you from your addiction to drama. This push and pull between wanting to be able to bask in the spotlight while simultaneously desiring a private life is a major battle for Diana in these episodes. She's at first more than willing to play along. I'll tell you what, you leave me and my boys alone, please. You're gonna get a big surprise with the next thing I do. But as the paparazzi pressure begins to ratchet up more and more, her life becomes more and more constricted, watched, and scrutinized to a degree even greater than when she was a royal. And it begins to take its toll in a new way. But Pandora's box has already been opened, and no matter how hard Diana tries to escape, the eyes of the world always manage to follow. 
we do get to see how she, just like in real life, decided to try to use all of this attention for good, to help others even when she couldn't help herself. She feels strongly that she still has a lot to offer the country as a public servant and a lot of energy. Post-divorce, Diana had become unmoored, unsure of where exactly she fit into the world. But at the point we meet her in episode one, she's begun taking concrete steps to continue her charitable work. Her work up to this point had already had a global impact. If you take her recent work on landmines, two years ago, a global ban on landmines was considered impossible. Now almost 100 countries have agreed to sign a treaty outlawing them. And she sought to continue on with it even though she was no longer a royal. In episode two, we see her trip to Bosnia in support of the Landmine Survivors Network, which in real life became one of her most well-remembered charity outings. As images of the People's Princess walking across a minefield covered newspapers around the world and helped wake people up to the dangers these landmines still posed. If an international ban on mines can be secured, it means looking far ahead that the world may be a safer place for this generation's grandchildren. It's the holiday season, so give yourself or a loved one the gift of Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fuel up for every meal of the day with its wide array of chef-prepared, dietitian-approved options. Just pick your dishes from their weekly menu and they'll be delivered straight to your door. The process is so easy and the food tastes so good. You can save a lot of time and hassle when it comes to mealtime, as Factor's meals are ready in just two minutes or less. If you need an extra boost to support your wellness, goals and feel your best during the holidays, then try Factor's Protein Plus meals. Or if you're looking to monitor your intake, there are calorie-conscious options that taste great too. With Factor, you get convenience and delicious meals. So support the channel and give Factor a try. Head to factormeals.com slash thetake50 and use the code thetake50 to get 50% off your first box. That's the take 50 at factormeals.com slash thetake50 to get 50% off your first box. Most of Diana's storyline in these four episodes, though, centers around her relationship with film producer and Herod's hair Dodi Fayid and his father Mohammed, who Diana affectionately calls Momo. The show leans into the long-standing rumor that Mohammed engineered the pair's entire relationship, which he and those close to him have always denied. For most of these episodes, Muhammad exists as a background villain, pulling the strings behind the scenes and constantly calling his son to push him to accelerate the relationship. While Diana was seeking to escape the institution of the royal family and British high society, the show posits that Muhammad was desperate to break into it, to the point that he was willing to manipulate his son into completely undoing his entire life just to try to marry Diana. In addition to dragging Dodi away from his fiance, in real life, Dodi was allegedly engaged to Victoria's secret model, Kelly Fisher, when he met Diana, though his family has denied that the pair were still together at that point. The show even puts forward the idea that it was Mohammed who called the paparazzi that took the infamous boat kiss picture. <laughs> In real life, those close to Diana have noted that her fling with Dodi really just seemed to be a ploy to make her real true love, Surgeon Hasnak Khan, jealous after the pair split up earlier that summer. And it has been suggested that she was the one that told the paparazzi where to find her for the kiss photo to this end. On the show, Diana and Dodi's relationship does feel more like a friendship than a true romance. They laugh together and relax around one another. And they find common ground when they open up about their issues with their father. 
others. While Diana's father was always aloof, causing her to act out in an attempt to get his attention, Mohammed was overbearing, suffocating Dodi by trying to micromanage his life. Each sees the other as having it better, Dodi noting that at least Diana's father wasn't constantly crushing her, Diana pointing out that at least Mohammed seems to care about Dodi at all. Both have been deeply hurt by their father's treatment, and now as adults are starting to come to understand just how much this has molded their behavior. These are not my decisions. I'm just doing what my father tells me to do." In the private conversations between the two that the show imagines, we see how these factors give them a sense of shared understanding. While Diana clearly finds Dodie's drive to speedrun their relationship annoying, she also seems to get why he's so hellbent on following his father's orders even at his own, and her own, expense. We also see Diana and Charles come to a sort of truce. Both at happier, freer points in their lives, they now have the common ground of wanting to focus on William and Harry's happiness above all else. Even though we weren't brilliant at being married, can we, um, can we be brilliant at all this? I think so. Though this certainly wasn't the end of their back and forth in the press, it does feel like the start of a new page for the pair that could have eventually led to an end to their battles and a level of peace between the two sides. As the episodes go on, the paparazzi fervor grows more and more fierce. The bidding war for the boat kiss photos sparked a new level of hunger in the photogs, hoping that they too could get a major payday for the right photo. The images have proven lucrative beyond anyone's wildest imaginings. Interest in the princess's private life is unlikely to die down anytime soon. In episode three, Diana and Dodie are literally chased through the streets, first by fans and then by paparazzi. Then it all reaches its apex when the pair arrive in Paris for what was only supposed to be a one-day stopover before heading back to England. After being hounded every time they so much as step outside, the pair decide to have dinner at the Ritz, which was owned by Dodie's father and so a place they could be safe from intrusion. Though even here they weren't totally free from prying eyes. When they attempt to sit down to have dinner, everyone in the restaurant has stopped to gawk at them, to the point of causing Diana to break down. Once they're safe in their room, Dodie goes through with his father's wish and attempts to propose to Diana, but she immediately puts an end to it and points out what a silly idea it is. There's only one person in the world this marriage would make happy. Who? I can't make your father love you more by becoming your wife. Actually, I think you can. Well, I'm not gonna do it. But instead of leading to a fight or some other drama, they actually sit down for dinner and have a very honest, loving conversation. Marriage is a serious and painful business. What we have is all about joy and healing and lightness. They, in the way that only friends can, point out the personal flaws that the other is trying to avoid that is making them miserable. Dodie trying too hard to please his father at all costs, Diana trying to rush into the next phase of her life. When Muhammad interrupts their conversation with a call to see if Dodie proposed, Dodie isn't quite able to go through with actually breaking from his father in the way Diana suggests. He later comes clean about this, and Diana laughs that she knew he didn't really do it, but encourages him that he will be able to one day. 
Though a UK police report did confirm Doty had purchased an engagement ring, there's no definitive proof that he did actually propose that night. Of course, their conversation, like the entire rest of the show, is just a fictionalized imagining of what could have been. But it does provide some small amount of comfort to imagine that Diana did get to have this heartfelt conversation and moment of connection before what came next. This sweet moment between the pair happens just before they leave the Ritz for the final time, heading out on that fateful drive through Paris. Though they attempted to trick the paparazzi with decoy cars, they're spotted leaving and chased through the streets. Audiences have long wondered how the show would deal with Diana's death, which became such a spectacle in life. And the creative team's answer was to focus not on the event itself, but the emotions around it. The crash thankfully occurs off screen, though we do hear the horrible screech of metal. As more and more people hear the news, from the medical staff waiting outside the operating room, to the palace staff, to Diana and Dodie's closest family members, the audio cuts in and out, replicating the lack of ability to fully comprehend information that can come from such a great shock. The information sends a shockwave around the world, and the outpouring of sadness and confusion begins immediately. Well, one has his questions. Why does she change her plans? Why, what was she doing in Paris? What caused the accident? As he arrives at the scene of his son's death, we can hear Muhammad's previously boisterous and self-assured shell break as he recites a prayer, and he shatters completely at the sight of his son's body in the morgue. At Balmoral, Charles is broken by the news. While the other senior royals seem more or less unmoved outside of their concern for William and Harry, the show has worked to shed a different light on Charles and Diana's relationship than the one that played out in the press. And it's in the scenes away from the eyes of the public where we can see Charles able to display his immense grief. As on the show, the real-life royals were chastised for being too aloof and cold when the nation was grieving after Diana's death. And the Crown uses Charles to help voice these concerns. I do think it's important that senior members of the family keep an eye on the mood out there. Not only is he upset about her death, when he goes to Paris to retrieve her body, he sees firsthand how upended everyone is by the news. And he realizes that it's important for the family, and the Queen in particular, to be there for the people. Even if Diana was out, as the Queen so pointedly noted in the first episode of the season, she had touched the hearts of everyone in the country. And now, those hearts were bleeding. Diana gave people what they needed. Even if it was just confirmation that great pain and sadness doesn't discriminate, it comes to those with beauty and privilege too. The Queen and Prince Philip watch the public mourning unfolding on television and hear the cries that she's abandoning the country, but are for a while convinced that the best course of action is to ignore it and hope it blows over. Bereavement helplines are overwhelmed. Sensible adults are weeping openly in the streets. Don't you dare. Sanity will soon prevail. Hold firm. Their move towards isolation is contrasted with Mohammed joining and grieving with his community at the funeral for his son. The royals do eventually travel to London for the funeral, but even here, in the Queen's televised speech and the funeral procession, the people, the grieving community, are kept at a distance. Whether it's her children or the nation, a reluctance or inability to mother might have consequences. 
One rather odd artistic choice the show makes is to have both Diana and Dodie reappear after their deaths as sort of ghosts or hallucinations, to have some final key conversations. Diana first appears to Charles as he's on the plane back to England after retrieving her body. Ta-da! They have a heartfelt goodbye, in what is an attempt by the show to give the characters, and us as the audience, a sense of closure that could never really be had in real life. This is also the case when Dodi appears to Muhammad, where they speak honestly about the difficulties of their relationship. And finally, Diana appears once more, this time to the Queen herself, whereas both previous apparitions appeared directly across from their still-living counterpart, symbolizing the directness of their final goodbyes. Here, Diana is next to the Queen, who won't even turn to look at her. The Queen is clearly unsure about her choice to remain tucked away from the people, as another newsreel in the background relays how unhappy people are with her. There continues to be criticism that the Queen has misjudged the mood of the country. They're trying to show you who they are, what they feel, what they need. It's Diana herself who gives Elizabeth the push to accept that times are changing, and a stiff upper lip isn't enough to weather every storm anymore. Maybe it's time to show you're ready to learn too. It's after this that the Queen finally makes the decision to head back to London and speak to the people. In these first episodes of Season 6, we get to know Princes William and Harry a bit more. Harry is still quite young and a mama's boy, always excited for any moment he gets to spend with her. Who are you wrestling in your sleep? Godzilla. Did you win? Beat him up. Beat him up! <laughs> <laughs> William is now well into teenagerdom, and is growing in his independence and his unhappiness with parts of royal life. He doesn't love being shuttled back and forth between parents, and hates being hounded by the paparazzi. How long are you going to hide in there for? Until those photographers go away. As the older of the two, he's also more aware of the issues going on in his family, both between his parents and with them individually. Though they do, in their own ways, try to shield him to some degree, the truth always peeks through. Mummy just needs to make some changes to her life, that's all. But that's not your problem, that's mine. Right. While both parents clearly love and care for their sons, we're also shown how they're willing to use them on occasion or push aside their needs. I just wanted us all to be away when your father threw a huge 50th birthday party if you know who. But at the heart of these four episodes, the show clearly wants to hit home the fact that no matter what else was going on in her life, Diana's boys were her guiding light. It's motherhood that's consistently made me the happiest. After the crash, Charles has the devastating task of informing the boys that their mother has died. I wanted to let them sleep. Delay it as long as possible. While they're sleeping, they still have a mother. Eventually, William, distraught both at the loss of his mother and the behavior of the adults around him, disappears into the Scottish countryside. Yes, he's a shy boy, but he's also a future king. And when his mother dies and people grieve, he has to behave like one. 
On the show, everyone at Balmoral goes out to search for him but are unable to find him. It's not until 14 hours later that he returns completely drenched from the rain. There's no solid evidence that William did go missing for a time during this period, but he has opened up about how he found solace in nature in Scotland after his mother's passing. There are still six more episodes to come in this season of The Crown, showing the royal family's lives after this cataclysmic event. The second batch of episodes this season are set to reach all the way into 2005, the year William graduated from university and Harry entered the Royal Military Academy. So while the show will certainly still touch on the effect of their mother's death, we'll also see them as they begin forging their way into adulthood and trying to find a sense of normalcy. And, of course, love, as it's already been confirmed that Kate Middleton will be making her way into the story. Before Diana's death, Charles's major concern on the show is getting everyone, both the public and his mother, to accept Camilla. In the first episode, he arranged a 50th birthday celebration for Camilla in hopes that the Queen would attend. Public gesture of approval from the Queen would transform the campaign for Camilla's legitimacy. But she declines. Her problem, she explains, is not with Camilla herself, but with all of the drama Charles caused to get with her. But Princess Margaret can see how truly happy Charles seems to be now, and reminds Elizabeth that having a happy future king isn't such a terrible thing. And Elizabeth begins to soften to the idea. But since he's not going to give her up, even in the absence of my approval, I don't want to be considered unkind because I'm not." As this season is set to go all the way into the year of the pair's nuptials, it's likely we'll continue to see the gradual acceptance of Camilla into the royal fold play out. Well, I better not go arse over tits. Diana's memory looms large over the British royal family. You were always the most beloved of all of us. And while early seasons in a way felt like they were building up to the appearance of this cultural icon, now, at its conclusion, it will have to contend with a world without her. We all know how things played out in the media in real life, but the real interest in the show has always come from the imagining of what went on behind the scenes, away from the public eye. Diana shook up the royal family and the public's view of it. But the crown rises above impulse. At its peril. And so these final episodes will be left to explore what happens when a spark is snuffed out, but the light it created remains. That's the take. Click here to watch the video we think you'll love, or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.